What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our team top 10 prospect series today with the San Francisco Giants. We're going to discuss the debate at number one between Marco Luciano and Kyle Harrison. What fueled the rises of Casey Schmidt and Vaughn Brown? And get an update on some low-level pitching prospects who had strong years like Mason Black. To do all that, I am joined by my colleague, Josh Norris, who took care of the Giants system for us again this year. Josh, thank you for joining me. Howdy, howdy, howdy. All right, Josh. So before we dive into the farm system, we do need to kind of look at the state of the Giants. This is a team that won the most games in the major leagues in 2021. It was a a huge season for them, 107 and 55. They did lose in the division series to the Dodgers, but nonetheless, it seems like it was a big step forward for the organization. They really fell backward in a big way in 2022, went 81 and 81, a 26 game difference. And really the big biggest part of that was the stars were no longer either there or performing like stars. You know, 2021, Buster Posey coming back after sitting out 2020, had another fantastic season to finish out his career. He retired. He wasn't there in 2022. That loss was felt acutely. Brandon Crawford had an MVP caliber year in 2021, took a big step back in 2022. And with the stars not there and not performing like expected, the Giants had a lot of part-time players trying to mix and match platoon. And it was a very mediocre team with a very mediocre result. Looking at where they are now, what's in the farm system, how do you kind of assess their outlook moving forward these next couple of years? The farm system is interesting. Like It's not bad, but there's a lot of relievers in there uh, at the very back. Like, there's some good There's some good stuff at, top, at the top with Marco Luciano and Kyle Harrison, you know, your big two at, at you know, one and two. But some of the guys who were expected to be really good kind of took steps back. Uh, Luis Matos didn't have a really great follow-up season, partly based on injuries, partly based on just player development issues, you know, just normal aches and pains for a guy who's a prospect baseball player. No real way, way to comb over it. Um, you know, there's some guys at the back that just didn't do what they wanted them to do. 
um, you know, their first rounders and our first couple picks from two years ago, Will Bednar and Matt Mikulski weren't great um, or worse. Some other Latin guys didn't really take steps forward, but there were other guys who took their plays. I'm looking here at my 30 now. Ryan Murphy had some injury issues. That was a guy who was really uh, interesting a couple of years ago. And it's just some guys took steps back. And then you mentioned the big leagues. He's not a prospect anymore, but Joey Bart just didn't hit. Um, and the guy a couple of years ago, we were talking about, well, they've got Joey Bart. Why'd they take Patrick Bailey? Well, ne- neither of them really hit. Um, one of them was in the big leagues and didn't hit. One of them was in the minor leagues and didn't hit and uh, got injured a lot. So there's a lot of volatility with this system. Like if there's a lot, like I said, of potential relievers coming, but that is not how you draw up your system uh, with filled with potential relievers. So it can go a couple ways. We'll see. But the two guys up front are pretty enviable. Yeah. And I will say the Giants had the right idea this offseason, looking at the big league roster, looking at what's in their farm system and realizing they need to go get some big fish in free agency. They fell short in their pursuit of Aaron Judge. They reached an agreement with Carlos Correa, but ultimately decided not to move forward with the agreement due to concerns about his uh, his ankle injury. So they tried to go get two franchise caliber players. They whiffed on them. But at the very least, they have the right idea because they don't have those players in the big leagues and they don't really have those players in the farm system, at least not enough of them to feel really great about their future outlook. And I also think it's important for them to, you know, again, continue to be active in free agency because they haven't been hitting on their first round picks. You talk about how are you going to build up your team? You really want to build a core of really, really good draft picks and supplement them with with key free agent signings. They did go get Mitch Hanniger in this offseason. That was a good signing. They signed Michael Conforto. So at the very least, they started signing guys who are everyday caliber players as opposed to guys you're just trying to platoon and mix and match all the time. But they need more. And you can go back and look at their recent first-round picks. Hunter Bishop, 10th overall, 2019. That, that's been a really, really tough look so far. Patrick Bailey, 13th overall in 2020. There were a lot of concerns about the bat, and they've played out so far in his professional career. Will Bednar, 14th overall pick in 2021. I saw a lot of him at San Jose. It was very, very, very underwhelming for an SEC starter to be pitching in low A. It was it was very vanilla at best. It was, eh, it's okay. It's not what you want from your first round pick. It wasn't, but, even, wasn't even spicy vanilla. It was just regular old vanilla. Like you can find that guy anywhere. I, mean, that, I think that um, kind of description of him came up all the time when I talked about it, it was just kind of like, I don't see it. I don't see anything. The slider's good. And he also got hurt. Um, that's never helpful either. But he, he did have a pretty nasty little slider that he showed off uh, at times. But the fastball velocity was down. I mean, it was fringe average fastball velocity or worse. And yeah. that's not what you're looking for. And to your point, you know, there were uh, – there's those two guys up at the top. But it, it just isn't enough. Um right now and the division they're playing in is what i was trying to get at was is okay the dodgers are the dodgers and continue to make just about all the right moves um the padres are willing to spend and uh they have a ton they always have guys to trade for you know Juan soto or guys like that they always have no matter how many times they trade guys they have enough to trade for the next guy and the same is true this year i mean if you told me they wanted to package three or four of their top prospects to get a really big hitter at the deadline. They could do it. And they've still got the firepower because AJ Preller takes high upside guys and waits for them to show hints of their upside trades them before they do at while they're doing that. 
before they show any of their downside and then cashes in on it. It's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, my my joke has been like, you've got uh, Soto, you've got Tatis. Now I think you should trade for Vladdy to make it all three of those 2015 J2 guys. Just see if they can do that. They're, but those the point is those two guys in that those two teams in that system are in that system in that division make it a little troublesome. It puts a little bit of impetus on the Giants, especially with what the Diamondbacks have coming in terms of pitching. You know, Ryan Nelson, Trey Jamison, Brandon Fat. They just traded for um, Gabriel Moreno. They've got Corbin Carroll coming. They've got some stuff coming, and they could be you know mixing it up for the number two spot, number you know a playoff spot coming out of that division in in short order. Like I talked about it on the Marlins podcast where if you are the Marlins, not only are you in trouble because of what you have in your system or don't have, you're in trouble because everybody else in your division outside of the Nationals is really good. And the Nationals also have a really enviable farm system. It's not that bad for the Giants. There are some issues there and it might be a little bit of a struggle. Now I will say that and I will go out and win 100 games this year and I will look at the school. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I think it's important to note as we go through the system and talk about where some of the holes are, the context of they've really, really whiffed on their first round picks. You go back really to 20, I mean, 2011, Joe Panic, that was a solid pick. But since then, 2012 on, I mean, the best player is Christian Arroyo, who's been a, a journeyman, bounce around kind of infielder. We still have to see if Joey Barton, Elliot Ramos can take steps forward and become the type of players that at one point they were perceived to potentially be. So you don't want to give up on them yet. But even if those two guys end up hitting their ceilings, then you would have two good first round picks in about a decade. And that, that's not what you're looking for. So I think that's priority number one for the Giants is they've got to get back to the days of when they were drafting Tim Lincecum and Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey and Zach Wheeler. And some of that's picking at the back of the first round versus the top. But um, even when they've had these these top to you know top half of the first round picks recently, Again, you don't want to say they've been complete whiffs because these guys are still making their way through the minors, but the early returns have not been good with Bishop Bailey and Bednar. So they've got to fix that, and then that that's priority number one, and then go add some big-time free agents as well. With that, Josh, moving into this farm system, you mentioned there are two really good players here at the top, and that's where if you are a Giants fan, a Giants front office official, a Giants coaching staff member, you're looking for these two guys to be the kind of players you can kind of anchor your team around moving forward. That's Marco Luciano and Kyle Harrison, both really talented players. How close was it, the debate for them at number one, and ultimately what put Luciano ahead? I mean, I think it's as easy as hitter over pitcher, and I think if you were to put be a little more creative in the way we designed this book, it would be one and one A. You know, I don't think there's any you go you can't go wrong with either of them. They're not neither of them is a perfect prospect. And I think a little much has been made of Luciano's last year. Like he cut his strikeout rate. He performed. I mean, he hit for power. He got hurt. That's really <laughs> a big problem there. And the fact that he performed when he did in Eugene was a really good sign to me because, you know, part of the, the allure of the short season Northwest League was despite the Northwest's um, reputation, it don't rain and it's in, in the uh, in the summer months. But in April and May in that general region, it's nasty. And, you know, if you're a, a Latin player coming into that environment, it's, it, it, I can understand if you got the, the bat knocked out of your hand for a couple of months, ask Ellie De La Cruz what the weather was like in Dayton, but he, you know, 263, 339, 459 is more than respectable for a guy who is what, 20 years old, 21 years old last year, uh, facing his first real test at 
that kind of climate. And, you know, he, hit, he still did hit 10 bombs. Like, I think his year, as shunted as it was, was a little uh, better than it may have seen. Now, I think since then, he, he had an issue with the back in the, the winter leagues too, which is a little more problematic. But I think this is still a really good prospect. He might be one of those, you know, mythical, mythical, uh, proverbial post-hype prospects that everybody thinks it should be 35 by now, but is still, you know, in his early 20s. And it's, you know, if he were just drafted out of college, this would be the age he would be getting to the high A, double A, all those things. So I think he's still a really good prospect. Is he a shortstop? Maybe not. I mean, it's not out of the question. It sounds like he got a little bit better there um, in the looks that my scouts that I talked to saw. Is he ever going to be Andrelton Simmons? No. But can he be playable there? Possibly. You know, it was interesting when for the for the, the five minutes where the Giants had Carlos Correa locked up, my question was, okay, well, where does uh, Luciano go? So, well, all right, probably a third baseman now where he was always going to go anyway. Well, now, now that problem's alleviated itself and shortstop's still open for him there. Uh, with Harrison, he absolutely <laughs> destroyed the Northwest League. Uh, what was it like... Um, 59 strikeouts in 29 innings. I think that's good. I, I'll take that. Um, there were some where he was, you know, man among boys. And there were some where he was, I think I've said it before, a monster among men. And then he got to the North, uh, the Northwest League, the Eastern League, and was really good. He wasn't quite as good as he was in, double, in, in high A, but he was still pretty good. There, I've explained this, I think, some other podcast. I don't know. Um, the thing about Harrison is, his command isn't perfect. Not that not that anybody else's is, but he has enough deception where it works for him. Like he can get away with a little scattershot command because his deception is so good. And then the thing is, like, do you do you change parts of his delivery to kind of smooth it out a little bit and risk, you know, if you improve the command by changing his delivery a little bit, do you risk removing the deception? It's a really fine line to walk with him. And I don't know how you approach it from, and I'm not paid to uh, figure out how to approach it. That's for other people who are better at their jobs. Um, but he's a really, really interesting prospect, no doubt. And they, you know, they we talk about not hitting on their first round prospects, but uh, they hit on that third rounder. Looks like, you know, <laughs> for, I mean, they, I think it was Patrick Bailey in the first round of that draft. Was Patrick? Mm-hmm. Um, the two round, two picks later, you make up for it. Yeah, no, Harrison, I've talked about this a lot. When I saw him at the Area Code games the summer before, he really jumped out to me as a guy who was really, really promising. And, and he's someone that I, I'm, I'm very high on. I think, you know, the debate between him and Luciano, you mentioned the hitter versus pitcher is interesting. You can also argue Harrison being, you know, higher levels, having the success he's having. And left-handed starters are so valuable that he could be above. But they're both talented. And I, I do think your point about Luciano is well taken. The Pacific Northwest, for people who don't know, is freezing in April. We you know we talk about the Midwest league and throwing out the first four to six weeks of Midwest league stats. It's not quite the same level as cold. You can kind of apply that same principle. It's really, really, really cold in the Pacific Northwest. And you're right. Luciano, if you look up through the injury, so up through June 3rd, so playing, you know, mostly in that, that very cold April and May, he hit 288, 360, 507 uh, doubles homers. You know, the strikeout rate wasn't bad. It was a pretty good 40 games. And really it was after he came back from his injury you know, the numbers weren't great. So that's where you can say, okay, like you said, he just got hurt. And it was a promising performance. Harrison, I think what was really interesting was saw him in San Jose in 2021. And 
it was really good stuff. And you just saw the progression, the jump he'd made from, you know, again, when I saw him as a rising high school senior to his first full year of pro ball, the physicality, the stuff, everything was just so impressive. But it was a lot of like four inning starts. You just will say, okay, let's see how he can build up and hold this. And I thought what was most promising last year was 13 of his 25 starts. He went at least five innings, had a couple six inning starts in there, had a seven inning start in there. So it just seems like the trend line is going in the right direction. If these guys both end up being what the Giants think they can be and hope they can be, what level of player are we looking at? Uh, Those guys could be, you know, middle of the lineup and front of the rotation type guys. I don't know how I'm going to go like, I mean, I went with 60 high on both of them. So they could be kind of the same caliber of player. I don't know if Harrison's a true ace. I I know there are some out, out there who believe it, who believe he could be. And it wouldn't be out of the question, but I think he falls a tick below that. Um, so either way, it's a really interesting guy to to, um, to 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 put up there. But it's an easy easy call, top pitching prospect in the system. And it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. I assume he'll go to Sacramento in the less forgiving environments of Triple A um, before he gets to San Francisco, which I assume will be at some point this year. Both very talented players, and um, we'll see when they're able to make an impact in San Francisco. Josh, you mentioned these were the clear-cut top two prospects in the organization. These are the two guys who are on the top 100. And again, if you want to go 1-1-A, 1-2, flip them, there's arguments. But these are the clear-cut top two guys. Take us through this next group, because you mentioned you have guys like Luis Matos, who really went backwards, guys like Casey Schmidt and Grant McRae, who really broke out. Where would you say kind of the next tier is, three through what? Oh man, three through f- probably seven is where I would, maybe nine is where I would, you could jumble them in just about any order you want. Um, it was a tough one. It was really difficult because, you know, none of these guys is a, a sure thing, a sure thing, like Luciano or Harrison, but none of them is easily like head and shoulders above the other. Casey Schmidt hit, hit, and hit some more. And he played a really good third base. I think I mentioned somewhere on one of these podcasts that when I did the Northwest League best tools, I got all six ballots back, which is a small miracle. Five of them at best third base, five of them for best defensive third baseman had Schmidt. The other had Carter Aldretti, who was playing third base because Schmidt moved over to shortstop while Luciano was out. So basically don't hit it to the left side against that Eugene club is what the message was there. He was... He's a really interesting player. There's still a little skepticism because he doesn't do it traditionally uh, as far as swing mechanics go um, from the scouting community. But, you know, I think everybody, just about everybody, we've had some pushback on the fact that he's a slam dunk defender at third base. Um, But it's so minimal as to, I think it's an outlier kind of evaluation on that. Um, And then we talked about a little bit about, you know, the the troubles they've had at the top. Well, a couple guys this year, Grant McRae and Vaughn Brown, who I went with four and six, uh, really asserted themselves this year. Shout out to Giants area scout Jim Gabella, who signed them both. Um, they're a little different. Um, McRae is a tool shed whose tools started coming out of the shed this year. Um, there's probably some hit tool to, I mean, shocker, a prospect with a little bit, could use a little bit more hit tool. That's probably his biggest wart. Uh, but there's power, there's speed, there's pretty good chance of center field defense. Um, and Brown, the biggest thing was he was quite old. He was like the Stetson Bennett of the minor leagues this year. And 
he uh you know he's 20 he'll be 24 no he'll be 20 sorry he'll be 25 in june and he beat up on low a and then beat up on high a like you're supposed to do at that age um very small sample at uh double a and by very small sample i mean one game um they get a little bit of injury there at the end but this is going to be a prove it year for him he did what he was supposed to do at those levels and now it's time to see if he can do it at the more age appropriate levels either way it was really interesting you know i had i had one scout i was talking to about the giants he's like you're gonna make um vaughn brown your minor league player of the year right no uh then you're wrong like okay all right cool noted you love Vaughn brown very very well then um either way good great you know late late find draft story 10th round out of florida southern and there's some really good stories out there. I think the athletic had a really good narrative piece on, I think Jim Gabella had to like watch through a hole in the fence at Florida Southern, which plays at uh, Hen- Henley field in, uh, in, um, in Florida. And we're, we're going through COVID times and the restrictions were not great there. The, the, the accommodations were not great. So it's kind of some old school, really you know gumshoe detective type scouting done with him and they got a good one um keeps going down the list here artiaga is pretty solid all around he might not you know never be luciano with the bat but he's a pretty surefire shortstop who i'm excited to hopefully see this year in eugene if i can um convince myself to get all the way up there this year twist my arm go to that part of the country uh and then Boy, oh boy, did the Giants go with some risk in the draft. Carson Wisenhunt uh, at you know, it's one of their second round pick who didn't pitch all year at ECU because of a PED suspension and then showed well in the Cape and uh, a couple starts in the fall league. He had a, a I believe it was COVID that kept him out of the first, first part of the fall league. Um, and then Reggie Crawford, one down or a couple down at 11, didn't pitch all year and has like eight career innings total um but they see a left-handed kind of a fireballing pitcher with really good stuff they they've gone back to what they've seen in the past from him um and are banking on the upside there he'll he and um wisenhunt be really interesting to follow this year yeah i want to circle back to vaughn brown so so he was interesting well first i actually want to say casey schmidt as well uh swept the best defensive third baseman honors in the cal league in 2021 and san diego state that was a big thing with him he was so good defensively at third he also had the arm to be a pretty good pitcher yeah i mean his defense at third base is is pretty special and with the offensive strides he showed it's understandable why he rose all the way up to number three but vaughn brown was interesting so i remember going out and seeing san jose early in the year and immediately uh, a couple scouts i was sitting by pointed him out said hey this is a guy this was early in the year you know first few weeks was before he'd really taken off and they said watch this guy there's something real here and the time is a 23 year old he turned 24 during the year but 23 year old in low a it's a senior sign out of a division two school but you watched him he was very very strong just the physicality stood out and he actually had tools too this wasn't a guy just you know older guy who's just kind of beating up on younger guys. There's actual tools there. And you see the physicality, you see the, the tools, you see the ability to get to them in games. And it was intriguing, but like you said, you wanted to see at higher levels. The fact he went up to high A, continued to hit, was promising. This will be the test year for him. He's 24, he'll turn 25 in June. But I think it does need to be said, 
there are real tools here. There is real physicality. There is real baseball ability. And I wouldn't write him off just because of his age. A lot of people who watched him even for just a few days, it, it didn't take long to realize there was potentially something real there. I feel like I have to address the Giants taking the risk in the draft you talked about. This is an organization that has not hit on their first rounders recently. Then they take a very, very risky tactic of taking two guys who didn't play the entire regular season last year. I just generally, I'm curious, what was kind of the industry feedback on that and, and their decision to do that, given, again, how poorly their, their first round picks have been turning out recently? I mean, I'm not going to be able to answer that question sufficiently just because I don't really talk to a whole lot of people on the amateur side. Um, But it is is what it is. Like, they took – they went for upside. And I'm I'm never going to go against anybody for taking upside. I think Wisenhunt was pretty high on our draft board, you know, assuming he was going to pitch the year. Um, And then Reggie Crawford, you've seen it in fits and starts. He did some really good, you know, limited work with Team USA at one point. Um, and you know, that's pretty good caliber competition. So, you know, they're, they're betting on upside and we'll see how it works. I mean, they're both should be ready to go for, I mean, uh, Crawford is, it should be mentioned as a two-way player um, and did hit in the, and by, by, by hit, I mean, took at bats in the Arizona complex league. So he was ready to DH. He's far enough off the TJ that he was doing stuff like that. And he should be out for a, um, a full season assignment come the start of the year. So we'll see. It's an interesting strategy. If, you, if you're going to be that low on the board, um, you know, pick wise, why not? Why not shoot for upside? I don't know. That's, that's, that should be, it'll be very interesting to watch. Absolutely. All right, Josh, there's a lot of other players in the system who have some pedigree who are interesting that I want to talk a little more about. We're going to take a quick break and we'll dive in right after that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. 
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Welcome back to the Giants Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer here with Josh Norris. All right, Josh, we talked about some of the guys who are really promising the system. Again, Marco Luciano, Kyle Harrison, steps forward from Casey Schmidt, and Grant McRae, and Vaughn Brown, and you know, definitely some guys here that you feel pretty good about but you've talked about this a little bit on the podcast i alluded to it as well that there are also a lot of guys in the system who took steps backward and first and foremost among them was luis matos i uh, had a breakthrough season in san jose in 2021 there was a lot of helium for him to not just be on the top 100 but be a top 50 type of prospect went out this year to high a and and really 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 struggled what went wrong and what's the outlook now for luis matos I think you can give him a big fat mulligan for 2022. Um, one of the warts that he had, despite that amazing year in low A, was that he was hyper-aggressive at the plate. And yep. they challenged him to not be as hyper-aggressive. And he kind of went too far the other way. He was hyper-passive. So he was letting hittable pitches go by in, in you know, um, with the idea of maybe trying to get deeper in accounts. And when he got deeper in accounts, he would make bad contact. Like, he didn't strike out at a crazy rate or anything like that um and he did make impact on contact and there was also an injury in there at some point uh, i think it was a hamstring if i remember correctly but you know it was a it was a development year uh, i think you know everybody knows development is not linear most prospects who are not you know your vladdy guerrero juniors or whatever hit speed bumps and this was one um he looked decent in the fall league he showed fits and starts of you know him being um the explosive center field type player that you thought it was a couple years ago. Um, I think he was neck and neck with, well, neck and neck and neck with Mason Ower and Johan Rojas of the Phillies for like best defensive center fielder in, uh, in the fall league and showed some really, really nice power out there, especially to the pull side. But you know, this is going to be a year where it's going to be a do over. I, I wonder if he goes back to, I'm pretty sure he will go back to high a because uh, Vaughn Brown needs time in center field at double A and he'll just get in there. So you'd send him back to Eugene and say, <laughs> enjoy that weather again. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not completely off him. I ranked him number five and I think you could have put him any number of different ways there. But, you know, it's, um, it's going to be a, a really, I don't want to say make or break year for a guy who's going to be, he, he was 21. He just turned 21 in uh, January. So he's got a lot of time to go, but he's still a promising prospect. Yeah, and it's interesting. I remember watching him in San Jose, and this is why it's important to never just scout the stat line. He was really, really good there. I like the center field defense. You saw the offensive ability, but the aggressiveness, you know, swinging at sliders off the plate was a real problem that you could foresee was going to be something that could be exploited at higher levels. And Again, last year was just a rough year. The strikeouts weren't back. 
little more restrained, but it ends up being a little bit too more too passive. So finding that balance, it's never easy. But like you said, he was 20 years old last year as a young guy. There's tools, there's talent, there, there's reason to believe. Some of the other guys who have struggled, we've talked about this. First-round picks, Hunter Bishop, Patrick Bailey. Um, Bishop had really struggled to stay on the field. He finally got some extended playing time last year, played in 86 games, all but one of them at high Eugene. Um, just as a 24-year-old in high A, did not have a good year. A lot of strikeouts at 235 with a 320 on base percentage, 406 slug. You know, showed some power, showed some speed, but just did not hit anywhere near enough. And then Patrick Bailey as well. That was always the concern with him. If he was going to hit, uh, was also up at high last year and did not hit. Hit 225, you know, got on base, showed some power, but guys who hit 225 and, and high A, they don't they don't hit enough in the major leagues. It just they just don't. Realistically, what's the outlook moving forward for these guys? Do you just chalk it up as blown picks? Is there any reason for hope and belief? What's the status of Bishop and Bailey at this point? Bishop. I, I don't think he's much of a prospect at this point. Like he's between the injuries and the underperformance. And it's not like the underperformance in the hit tool department was a surprise. Like this was a award of his coming out of Arizona state. Like, the question was, will he hit? He has not hit. He has also been severely injured. I, I don't know what to do with that at this point, other than to say, I, I hope for a turnaround, but this was a guy who, after he got drafted, I think it was after he got drafted, he got, cooked by pro scouts even in his short time on the field he was just absolutely fricasseed by some of these guys as i remember one quote being like if i didn't know who this guy was i would say he was an org guy which is not what you want to hear um for a guy who got what he did um and patrick bailey i don't know if he'll ever hit but his saving grace is that he can defend um or at least you know, scouts and, and scouts believe so um, and if you can defend at catcher, you can carve yourself out a decent career. You can make yourself some money. You don't have to be Johnny Bench to uh, be a catcher in the big leagues, at least at a backup role. If you can establish a rapport with pitchers, you can be, you know, uh, the eighth hitter or ninth hitter and carve out a decent little career. So that's why I kept him alive. Also, like I mentioned, the system is not particularly great. Uh, so. Give me, give me a chance on a guy with some semblance of big league value. We'll see. Yeah, again, I think it's a situation where you don't want your 10th overall pick to be a non-prospect and a 13th overall pick to be just a, a backup catcher. But in some ways, you mentioned this earlier, and I think we do need to address it here too. In fairness, while they've missed on some of their early round picks, some of their, their mid-round picks have been pretty good. You talked about Kyle Harrison 2020, and um, you know, we talked about Will Bednar's struggles. Matt McCulski was was really, really bad last year. There's no sugarcoating it. Um, scouts in the Cal League consider him a non-prospect. He just doesn't have anything they liked to see that this guy had any kind of major league future. So, you know, their their first and second round picks, it was not great. But their third and fourth round pick showed something. Mason Black was uh, one of the biggest risers in the system. And Eric Silva, while his numbers weren't great in the Cal League, he showed you enough to to – say yeah this guy's a prospect there's something there's something here at the very least um but i want to focus on black because that's the guy that that really really impressed uh, i was in the cali for a little bit went to high a performed well there missed bats didn't walk too many guys what did the giants have here because he seems like a another third round pick that might have been a big hit for them you know if, if the if the changeup comes forth he can be a back end starter right now he's got two pluses or potential pluses in the fastball and the slider 
above average control. Um, super competitive guy. Sounds like a really smart dude too. Um, yeah. So they, that's what you, you basically have. His, his future kind of hinges on the, the, the third pitch coming forward a little bit. And he's, you know, he's not in the Harrison tier by any means, but he's a little, he's a very interesting prospect nonetheless. And they did a good job getting him out of Lehigh. And I know you're going to go to Silva. Um, the numbers, not so great, but what you mentioned earlier, scouting the stat line is not scouting at all. It's just reading the back of the baseball card. And you have to look at why. And the stuff is really good. And the body is admittedly a little undersized. I say that to a six foot one person as a five foot seven person. So uh, kudos to Eric Silver for being taller. But it's a smaller, kind of sinewy body. And there are a little bit of questions about whether or not he holds up as a starter. But the bigger thing was like he, from what I heard, like his his sequencing issues were kind of the thing. Like if he threw a changeup at one point and it worked, he was like, well, I'm going to go change up all the time, no matter if that's appropriate for that count or what have you. And that kind of bit him in the butt at times. He's going to be another guy to watch uh, this year in Eugene, guy coming from California, who's going to go into that cold weather in April. Enjoy. Um, but he's going to be a really interesting guy. I think it's kind of a similar ceiling, a back-end guy. There was nobody who was saying, oh, he's the best pitching prospect in the system or anything like that. But another good uh, late-ish find in the fourth round. Yeah, it was interesting. I saw Eric Silva pitch in high school at J. Sarah, and then fast forward a year later, San Jose, and, and you saw everything progressing the way you wanted in terms of the consistency of the secondaries, the fastball velocities, his ability to hold it, because he'd touch it in high school, but he couldn't hold it. He was holding it in pro ball. So there's there's enough there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. We've talked about this. You go back and look. Again, we've talked about their first-round picks have not been good. Their third-round picks look promising. A 2019 third-round pick, Grant McRae. 2020 third-round pick, Kyle Harrison. 2021 third round pick Mason Black. Their third round picks have been better than their first round picks the last few years. So we'll see. By the way, William Kepner, their third round pick this uh, past year out of Gonzaga, really, really good arm with really, really loud stuff. I, I would not be shocked if, you know, is there an outcome where Reggie Crawford and Carson Wisenhunt, it just doesn't work out. The lost time hurts them and Kepner becomes the best pitcher of the three. It's not completely far-fetched. So third round picks seem to be really good. Um, it's got to fix yeah. the first and second rounders. <laughs> the team at Gonzaga did gangbusters this year. It was uh, yeah. Kepner, Tristan Vreeling, Nick Morabito. Uh, the yeah. top guy drafted, Gabriel Hughes. <laughs> yeah, Gabriel Hughes. I forget. That's the one I was forgetting. They had four yeah, guys the, in the, the top of the Overall pick, yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was looking on. But that's a if you're in the Pacific Northwest, if you're that kind of area scout, that might have been the place you want to go see. Is that rotation? They all got taken pretty high and uh, outfield. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, just as we kind of wrap up here, are, are there any players in the Giants system a little lower that you think have a chance to really pop in 2023? Hmm, that's a good question. You mentioned William Kempner, which would have been one of my answers. So congratulations on stealing him. Uh, Wade Meckler out of. Uh, that school 40 miles from the better school in Oregon, uh, Oregon state. Uh, he, he got, he got some really good reviews in the draft report card as kind of a toolsy guy who could do a lot of things. And they do have a pretty good pedigree of producing pros out there. Pedigree for producing pros. There you go. Um, Adrian Sugasti, um, really interesting catch throw guy. Um, we can hit a little bit too. Um, Cole Waits, I think may have the single best fastball among the, in the entire handbook. I think it's an 80s 80 in terms of velocity and movement and all the characteristics. Like that was the easiest 80 to throw anything that I've ever thrown on anything. Like I, 
I legitimately think that might be the best fastball in the minor leagues. Um, but he is a straight reliever. So I think I put him the highest of the potential relievers for that reason. Oh, and, you know, Carson Seymour is a really interesting prospect, too. They got him, Carson Seymour and Landon Root. I'm just going to go through the entire 30, basically. Uh, Carson Seymour, they got from the Mets. He's a big boy who has some big stuff. Changeup needs to come forth a little bit. They've been working on it. Uh, Landon Roop is a guy who took some steps forward this year. Um, really nasty curveball, above average fastball. Get another, you know, back back end potential guy if he develops one, if he's either of his slider or changeup comes forth. Keaton Wynn as his nasty kind of split thing make, could make him a really interesting reliever. Like I said, there's tons of relievers in the system. Jose Cruz took steps forward. He is Randy Rodriguez 2022 in that he's a guy who dominated at low A, but because of where the protection was, he needed to be placed on the 40-man roster to be shielded from the Rule 5, and they did it. So he might be an interesting guy. Uh, they added some guys that aren't in the 30. Um, uh, Brett Wisely and Ford Proctor, who will probably get big league time this year and could be, you know, interesting bench pieces. But, yeah, that's kind of their system in a nutshell. Oh, Blake Sable, they took from the... the the Pirates as well. Another kind of tells you what they think of Joey Bart. Um, if they're getting Blake Sable to supplement that big league roster. Um, so it's, it's an interesting system. It's not the best system I do, but it's an interesting system nonetheless. Yeah. I, I like that Carson Seymour pick. He's a, uh, he's a guy that, you know, has real, real stuff. He showed it at Kansas state. I thought that was one thing the giants did very, very well uh, was that, that trade to, you know, get everything they did for Darren Ruff was kind of amazing. I, I still don't understand why the Mets did that, but yeah, Carson Seymour is a, a definitely a good breakout pick. It's, it's very, very real stuff and someone to watch moving forward. Yeah, Josh. Are, oh, go ahead. The Mets aren't, I don't think the Mets are going to have time for the Carson Seymour's of the world in the near future. When <laughs> Steve Cohen opening his wallet to sign, you know, the Verlanders of the world and the, uh, in, in theory, the Carlos Correa's of the world. And we'll see which other big name free agency adds in the coming years. Uh, I think his wallet is going to be their best prospect. Uh, going <laughs> forth. Indeed it is. Josh, any final thoughts here as we wrap up the Giants? No, just looking forward to uh, the start of the season and seeing which one of these guys, which of these guys makes me look smart and which of these guys make you look stupid. So <laughs> we'll see in a couple months. Sounds good. All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.